0: back once again with Tim Nordgren and we're talking today about trust do I need a trust Tim it's probably one of the most common estate planning questions that I get asked and often I'll look at somebody's situation and say ah, I don't really see a need for a trust here uh, but a lot of people have just been conditioned to think that they need a trust so um, I guess first let's let's kind of reset up so the will tell me if this is a fair way to say it the will says who gets the money when you die the trust says how they get it
1: yeah let's talk about that for a second you, there is such thing as a, a testamentary trust that's that's actually part of the will that is a provision in the will that says i leave my estate to my son but until he's 30 years old i'm going to leave it, i'm going to name a trustee who manages the inheritance for my son uses it for education healthcare, care support etc and then when he turns 30 just gives him whatever's left um that can be all part of a will Compare that to a living trust, which is a trust that is can do the same thing upon death. It can set up that trust for son until he's 30. But the, the difference is you can actually title the assets, your assets in the living trust while you're alive so they don't have to go through a probate process upon death. So when I use the word trust, I'm really talking about a living trust as compared to a traditional will, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. So I guess let's maybe start with who doesn't need a trust. Who would be the people that would call you about? It. And you say, you know what, you can do everything you want to do just with your will,
1: right? Yeah. So, and it's interesting. I have so many people that come in to see me, and the, one of the first things they say is, "I need." I'm here because I need a living trust. And a living trust is a really helpful vehicle in many situations. But the advantage, the, what a living trust does, is it, it helps avoid probate, which most people want. They don't want their executor to have to go through a complicated legal process. But when I start talking to to some of these people and start going through their assets, I realized that the types of assets they have would really do not have to go through probate. So for example, they have beneficiary designations on a lot of their accounts, on their life insurance, on their IRA, even on bank and brokerage accounts. They may have a transfer on death or a payable on death, TOD or POD already designated. And, and really, they've kind of structured their their assets. So those assets, are they fall in the non-probate category.
0: And what um, you just there? described, by the way, is the overwhelming majority of folks I work with because most of their wealth is in what? It's in retirement accounts. It's in right. an IRA right. that they rolled over from a 401k. So that has a beneficiary designated on it. They have their bank accounts, like you said, set up with POD or TOD. So we're maybe dealing with, Some real estate and a brokerage account is what the average person that I see has that doesn't have a beneficiary attached to it.
1: That's right. And real estate in North Carolina, real estate is not a probate asset. Now the will directs where the real estate goes, but that's a matter of filing the will. And as soon as the will is filed at the courthouse, the title gets gets transferred over. It vests in the beneficiary. There are no probate fees and there's no delay. So real estate doesn't create a problem when it comes to probate. Um, So typically it's the brokerage accounts, sometimes the savings accounts. And so that's where we talk about maybe a trust would be an appropriate vehicle, a living trust. Should we have those accounts titled in the name of a trust so they they can pass to the children outside of probate upon death? And the way a living trust works, it's, it's a trust that a person creates for themselves. It's under their social security numbers. They are the trustees and beneficiaries of the trust. So they can retell their accounts in the name of the trust, but nothing really changes. They're still fully in control of the, the account. They still report the dividends or the interest on their personal tax return. So that's, that's why a lot of people use a trust because it's pretty, it, not, nothing really changes in terms of how they manage their affairs. So if somebody has significant brokerage accounts, we may talk about, okay, does a living trust make sense for you? Or should it, would it be better to list a TOD transfer-on-death beneficiary on that account? Because you can do that with brokerage accounts, and that is a way to transfer the accounts outside of probate. Where, where a TOD doesn't always make sense is if the beneficiary is young or if there's some stipulations on how you want them to receive the, the account. Yeah, I think a TOD works great if you're naming adult children as beneficiaries or so they're all responsible, you're not worried about them getting the account and what they would do with it. TOD is fine, um, in which case that's a way of avoiding probate. In other situations, well, maybe they want to put some stipulations on that brokerage account. They want it to go through, they want it to avoid probate, but they also want to put some, some structure around how it's received. Maybe the beneficiary has to wait until they're 40, 45, or 50. Maybe the beneficiary is disabled and has special needs. So when I meet with a client, it's really we're figuring out. Do they need a trust or not? And this is the type of conversation we have. But I think the really the the underlying point here, John, is not everything has to go through probate, whether you have a trust or not. And so knowing that a living trust really the only benefit compared to a will is probate avoidance, which can be a big benefit. We really have to figure out, are there a lot of assets that would be exposed to probate upon death? And if the answer is no, then maybe a living trust is not the right approach.
0: So there are probably... 700 different nuanced situations that we could talk through, where it's like, all right, here's a way that the trust did some cool stuff and really made a difference, right? But, right. you know, that would take us from now until Baron, Baron Trump will be president by the time okay. we finish having that discussion. So let's not spend years talking through that. But instead, let's think about a trust in general. What are some of the more common things? I mean, you've you've talked about avoiding probate, so that's one thing. What would be some of the other more common benefits that the trust brings?
1: Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is um, unless you're you're you have adult children who are very responsible and you're not concerned about how they would use their inheritance, I think the concept of a trust, which is really just naming a trustee who can control the inheritance, can make it available to the beneficiary. Can protect it from a divorce can protect it from a lawsuit that's a concept that resonates with a lot of people so they clients may say to me yeah i trust my kids but i don't trust who they're married to and i get nervous that if we if my will just leaves everything to them directly or outright without any without any trust their spouse may convince them to to use that money for a beach house or it may go into a joint account and if they then get divorced you know, half of my child's inheritance could walk out the door. So the concept of a trust, I think for a lot of people is about asset protection. It's about protecting this nest egg for their, their beneficiaries, let's say it's children. So either they're old enough to handle it themselves or we're protecting it from other people who we, we fear may try to take advantage of this inheritance and, and um, access it somehow. So a trust is is really a great vehicle for protecting assets and but remember a trust can be that type of trust can be created through a living trust or it can be created through a will it's just more about how do the assets get to that that trust is there probate or not
0: and i guess one thing maybe that is important to point out because i have a lot of friends in the financial industry who are in say massachusetts or connecticut states that have an estate tax at the state level we don't have that here in north carolina But if you're in Massachusetts, well, probably fair to say a lot more people are going to benefit from a trust up there because of the estate tax at the state level, right? So keep in mind that a lot of this is kind of North Carolina specific.
1: Yes, yes, and and I want to emphasize something you said, John, which is state planning is very case by case. You know, it's not one size fits all, and there's a lot of nuance, as you said. But since you mentioned estate taxes, yeah, North Carolina does not have an estate tax. I do want to make sure people understand that. There is a federal estate tax, but at least until the end of 2025, um, the estate tax exemption, the amount you can leave to children or nieces and nephews upon death is, is close to $13 million.
0: And per even person. even before that, it was $5 million, I think?
1: Yes, yes. It's gone way up. Um, and so as a couple, it's, it's $13 million times two, so it's roughly $26 million. So most of my clients do not have an estate tax problem currently but it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of 2025 because that's when this current law expires and we don't know what is going to happen to the estate tax exemption at that point. But I will say that whether you have a will or you have a living trust, you still have the estate tax exemption. Yeah. You know, um, the living trust doesn't give you any added value from an estate tax standpoint.
0: So it sounds like probably um, having, whether it's a, a minor or an adult child who just is irresponsible with money, sounds like that's probably one of the most common reasons somebody might want a trust um, that's, what that's what right. would be an example or two that you could give us on how you've structured something like that in the past to make sure that you don't I think the fancy word is spendthrift right a spendthrift, spendthrift beneficiary trust, that right? would, would uh, spend through everything how what's that look like in real life
1: yeah so a very common way to set up a trust is to make distributions to the beneficiary kind of an installments, not all at one time. So maybe when they, a beneficiary reaches 30, he or she gets a third, at 35, a third, at 40, a third. And I've actually had beneficiaries who've come to me as estate planning clients who, uh, when the parent passed away, they may have resented the fact they had this trust and they, had it, they didn't get it all at one time. But they also, as they got older, looking back, they realized they probably weren't ready to handle that. And they were grateful there was still this money in, in in a trust for a time in their lives where maybe they had their own kids and now they wanted to put money aside for their kids education and so they they, they came to see the trust as a, a gift um, where their parents really kind of safeguarded the money for them but most trusts are going to terminate when a beneficiary hits a certain age and it's just getting them through their maybe their turbulent 20s <laughs> um Well, as as we know,
0: as we know with males, the prefrontal cortex of the brain is not fully developed until 25. So just because they're 18, technically the age of majority, doesn't mean we want to leave hundreds of thousands of dollars to a 22 year old who's not mentally and emotionally fully developed yet.
1: That's correct. That's correct. Exactly. And then for some people, it becomes not so much about the child, but about concerns about other people who may try and take advantage of the child. And in some cases, trust go on. the lifetime of the child because there's a concern about the person they are married to or there's concern about the child spending habits um, or in some cases a a disabled child the idea of a special needs trust child may be receiving ssi or be on medicaid as a result of a disability um, and if they receive that inheritance they're going to lose those those benefits and so this idea of a special needs trust is another different type of trust but it's one i prepare for many clients for their kids just to protect a disabled child um, so as you can see, there are lots of different types of trusts and lots of different uses. And it just depends on a person's situation.
0: So I think it's probably always at least worth asking the question, do I need a trust or not? Just understand that in a lot of cases, the answer to that is no, probably not. You have a pretty simple, straightforward estate plan. The trust isn't right. necessary. But then, like I said, there's all these hundreds of different little nuanced situations where it really would make sense to have a trust, one of these specific types of trusts, perhaps as part of your picture so it's at least worth a conversation and again one of the reasons we like tim is he's not going to try to sell you the trust that you don't need only if it makes sense Um, and if it can all be done through the will then it's that much simpler tim uh, thanks as always for your wisdom
1: my pleasure thank you very much john for having me
0: and we'll do it again soon with tim norgren right here on mr stillman's opus have a great week Carolina Wealth Stores, Doing Business as Rosewood Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor in the state of North Carolina. The material presented is intended to be general information and should not be construed by any consumer as the rendering of personalized investment advice.